Well, a very good evening again to you tonight. I appreciate the things that we already heard uh, tonight, and I was uh, blessed and informed, and, and it's interesting to study some of these things. I realize as we begin here tonight, there are several of you who were not here last night, and so uh, missed kind of a foundation, missed kind of um, something that uh, we'll build the rest of the week on, and so I'd like to kind of review just a tad. I'm used to doing this in school, and so I'd like for a little help I'd like to go over the framework that we talked about as we, as we exegete culture and as we exegete the Bible, as we dig into it and study it, what is this framework that we came up with? And so I projected it up on the wall, and I'll do that again in, in just a bit, but I'd like to get the words that we use and how we, we start this. So I'll just start you off. We start with the text, right? We start with the scripture. That's the Bible that we have and that Crit talked about earlier tonight. That's what we have to study, and that drives something for us. What does that drive? Do you remember the word that it drives? It starts with an A. It's the way that we think, the way that we live in this world. Here it is. It drives our, say it, agenda. It drives how we live, okay? We live, we know that we're supposed to love God. We know that we're supposed to love our neighbors. And that, become, that comes from the text, from the scripture. But that brings us to something that we live in right now. Not the text, but the context. And that is the culture that we live in. And I gave the illustration yesterday that a lot of the things that are in the text are not necessarily, they don't necessarily apply, or maybe they are not talking about things that we face in our culture today. And I gave the illustration of the Philistines. We don't have them around today. We don't have, we have, um, we have instructions in the Bible for what to do with a moldy house, but we don't really have instructions on what we're supposed to do about social, social security and many other things, right? And so that creates, that creates something and it takes us back to the text. What does that create? Questions. questions, good. And so because of those questions, we can go back to the text. And of course, I talked, to, I talked last night that, that the text and the context are in no ways equal players. The, the text is what we should base our lives on. So this is the framework that we are approaching culture with. We finished talking yesterday. Uh, we talked about the two ideas. We, we know that entertainment powerfully shapes cultures worldwide. It affects us. And it affects us in very real ways. And, and we talked about a few of those ways. Um, and we know that it's loaded with ideas. Okay. Messages come to us all the time through entertainment. And we finished last night um, by saying that everything, everything has a worldview. Everything is telling you something. Um, we finished up with a C.S. Lewis quote, and he said, The most dangerous ideas in a society are not the ones that are, that are being argued, but the ones that are being assumed. And so things are being smuggled into our thinking. And without us realizing, they're changing us. We're changing who we are. I'm going to give some 
illustrations tonight of some ways that our culture has changed us and some of the ways that it affects us. And I'll give some, some culturally relevant uh, some culturally re- relevant examples, I guess you could say. Just by, by way of illustration, Farrell Williams was famous a few years ago for his famous hit song, Happy. And it's just a, it's a, it's a song that is a, kind of a modern, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Um, but he says that, clap along if you feel like happiness is the what? Does anyone know? Happiness is the truth. Like happiness is the truth. Lots of people say, well, if you just look inside yourself, you'll find the truth. If you, if you look inside, you'll find a meaning and something that you can, that you can follow. Well, wait a minute. There are, there are people in prison whose happiness was not right. They found happiness in something else. And so if we're saying that just happiness is the truth, then what is truth, right? Do you see the point? If, if what makes you happy is not what makes someone else happy, then suddenly there's no set truth. I was talking to John Yu after, afterwards last night, and he said that truths is never plural in the Bible. It's because everything... Any truth points back to the one singular truth that, that Jesus died and he, he rose again to, to save us. So there is one truth with a capital T, and that is not necessarily happiness. But that came to us smuggled in, right? We heard that from a, from a, a singer who said that p- happiness is the truth. On the flip side of, of finding this meaning or finding this truth, there are a lot of examples that I could point you to that talk about nihilism. And nihilism is from a Greek word nihilo, and, and it means nothing or nothingness. And there's a lot of what we get from popular culture today that says that life, is, life is meaningless. Life is just for a little bit, and then it's done, and then it's over. And it says that, that life is nothing. And a lot of these songs, a lot of times they also offer an alternative salvation, some other way to be saved, some other way that life can be good. And they also offer an alternative paradise, usually some kind of heaven here on earth, or life is good because of some alternative salvation. These are embedded messages. Sports can give us a worldview. Some of you, uh, myself included, might have followed along the Tour de France when Lance Armstrong was winning and maybe even more when, when hometown hero Floyd Landis was, was cycling and, and he was over there in France. And both of these men got, got caught for doping, for cheating. And we know that there were probably many, many more who were doing the same thing. And so who cares if we cheat, right? It doesn't really matter as long as, as long as you, what? As long as you win. Cheating, uh, it's okay. It's a worldview that comes kind of smuggled in, and we don't even realize, really realize that it's happening to us. But we're starting to recognize things that, that we probably shouldn't. Every cultural expression communicates some kind of belief, and most of us don't recognize it. We're not thinking worldviewishly, if you will. We don't recognize that everything 
Everything is telling us something. And we don't recognize that it's trying to tell us how we should think and how we should live in, in t- today's age. Perhaps one of the things to realize is it's not as much what media we intake as it is how we intake it, how it comes into us. Because for entertainment, when it goes on, what happens? Our brain goes off. And we sit there and we just and intake it. And we don't think about what is bombarding us at just a constant race, at, at a constant rate. It's coming into our brains and we just, we just soak it in. We're just sitting there intaking, imbibing. And the thing is that those messages come to us every day. All the time. It's everywhere. So we should never, never turn our brains off to what the culture is saying to us. Everything has a message. Uh, sometimes this even matters uh, for worship. And we need to, we need to filter out some of the, the things that we, that we say. We sing, you are the air I breathe. Is, is God the air? He created the air, but, but he's not the air. That's pantheism. That's saying that everything is God. God is not necessarily the, the, the air we breathe. And maybe that's not what the songwriter meant. But it's what he says, and it's what people hear. So what should we do? Well, we should never, never listen to another song. We should never watch anything. We should never play any other game. We should never listen to a podcast. We should never read anything. We should never do anything without asking, what are the ideas? What is coming to me through this? What is being smuggled into my brain? If you're, turning your, if you're used to turning your brain off when you go on Facebook and you just want to see what happened today, what happened in my friend's world, or in a movie, or in a song, If we're used to turning our brains off, then what we're doing is we're allowing the world to shape our beliefs. Never turn your brain off. If your worldview is not up, if your lens is not up, then someone else is calling the shots in your thinking, and we are not controlling it. It's the culture, it's the popular culture controlling our thinking. It's saying that you can believe whatever you want, as long as you just believe it. It doesn't matter what's true. As long as it's true for you, then that's all that it counts. That's all that matters. That's what the culture is telling us. And what we need to understand about worldviews is that they take us somewhere. They point us in a certain direction. Alice in Wonderland, a a popular kid's book by Lewis Carroll, uh, has an interesting exchange between Alice and, and the cat. And Alice... Alice says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat responds, that depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. As long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, but only if you walk long enough. And that's true, right? That's kind of true. That w- the direction, if we don't have any direction, then we'll get there. We'll get to wherever we're going if we don't really care where. The problem is that it is important what our direction is. 
So we should not just be resigned to being like Alice and saying, oh, well, as long as we get somewhere, that's all that matters. Because where we're going does matter. It does matter. We cannot blend evil and good. We can't blend right and wrong. It's like saying, take any way, any way you want. It's not important, but it is important. Matthew 7, Matthew 7 verse 13 And 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We can't be like Alice. We can't just wonder. We can't just let the culture do our thinking for us. Because we have to be very conscious of what the culture is saying. There is another way that media affects us in this entertainment-driven society, and that is this. It changes how, and not only changes what we think, but it changes how we think and how we experience the world and how we believe uh, what is happening in the world. You say, you ask how, and, and here are a few examples of how it does that. Media comes to us at such a rapid pace that it does not allow any time for reflection or evaluation of what's going on. The media just doesn't allow us to actually think about this because it's coming so quickly. It's coming so fast. There's never any quiet. And whenever there is, then we fill it, right? We talked about that last night. We pull out the glowing rectangles and we fill our quietness. So again, I asked this question last night, but what does it actually mean for you to be still and know that he's God? What does that actually mean for you today? And I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to myself in the midst of a, of a crazy week. Um, Nate Bang, in his sermon, he, he mentioned a quote by Martin Luther that Martin Luther said, I'm extra busy today. This is paraphrasing. I'm extra busy today, and so I'm going to spend extra time with God. That should be us too. We have to discipline ourselves to stop and to back up and to get out of the rhythm that culture gets us in, that culture wants us in. We have to back up and get out of that so that the culture is not thinking for us. We've become a culture who doesn't think. And Postman says, that a culture who doesn't think is easily taken captive. Entertainment shapes our thinking. How many of you can name the, the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback? Go ahead, raise your hands, be honest, all right? Okay, another question. How many of you can name the lead character in the book of 2 Samuel? There's a few less hands. And if you say it's Samuel, well, you're wrong. Samuel is actually not mentioned in the book of 2 Samuel. Okay? We're seeing that culture is telling us things. We, if you know far more about entertainment than you know about the Bible, then that's kind of an indicator of, of what's guiding your thinking. We need to stop and we need to back up. And ask, what is shaping me? What is shaping the way that I think? Now, not only does it come at us so fast, but it comes to us 
out of context and it comes juxtaposed in a way that, that trivializes some of the things that actually matter. It trivializes life. We're fooled into caring about things that don't matter and we're distracted from caring about the things that actually do matter. Here's an example. We see things on the front page of a newspaper or on a video or online or wherever, and we see things um, that might talk about destruction and death and catastrophe, and it's, it's a huge loss to humankind. And right beside that, we have the news of a celebrity breakup or whatever have you, and it compares the two as if they mean the same thing or they're worth the same amount. And we know that that that's not true. They're not equal. The two are not equal to each other. Another thing with this is that we think that just by being informed, it kind of gives us the feeling that we're actually doing something about it. And so we stay up to date with the refugee crisis and the war in the Middle East and all kinds of things. We stay up to date, up to date on it. But it doesn't actually mean that we're doing anything about it. Just because we're, we're, we have knowledge about it doesn't actually mean that we're doing something. You see the problem? If you don't keep track of the things that are coming at you with this tremendous speed, then it changes our thinking. And some of those points lead to another, another, um, another thing that I want to talk about here, is, and that is celebrityism. America loves celebrities. And I'm sure many of you heard in the recent election that many of the Hollywood stars and celebrities, they were, they were just proclaiming on the news that if one or the other of the candidates is elected, then I am moving to Mexico or to Canada. And we kind of laugh at that and we say, well, go ahead. How is that going to affect our lives? What makes you as a celebrity think that that matters at all to any of the rest of us? But the reason that made news is because that actually mattered to some people. And some of those people who followed their celebrities, it influenced them. And it's a symbol of how we worship, or it's an example of how America worships celebrities. I'd like us to look at, at Psalm 135, 15 to 18. And I have this on the screen here, but I, I'd welcome you to turn to it as well. I want, to, I want to stop here, and I want to get your thoughts in just a bit. But I want to read this. Uh, I want to read these, these four verses here from the book of Psalms. Psalm 135, 15-18. The idols of the nation are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Now, uh, verse 18 here uses the pronoun them three times. What is the them? What is the antecedent? The idols. The idols, the idols that are mentioned four verses, three verses earlier in, in chapter 15, uh, verse 15. And I think it's interesting here that it doesn't say that these idols are made of acacia wood and marble. But they're made of, they're made of silver and gold. And, and we know even today that, that silver and gold, for us, it's not just building materials, right? It's, it's money. It's things that we care about. 
So we might not worship wood and stone today, but we might still struggle with this silver and gold. What does it actually say, though, in verse 18? What's it saying to us? We become like what? Like them, we become like what we worship. I'm just going to pause here. Are there any, any thoughts here on, on Psalm 135 or any, any questions, any chance for you to speak here? They're no longer thinking, are they? They're letting someone else or something else do their thinking. I read a quote once that you never stop to think and forget to start again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's us too a lot of times. We're not really willing to change. And so we, co- we become like what we worship. And that's happening in America. And that might even be making its inroads into the church. That we become like what we worship. And um, that should be God, right? We should be drawing closer and closer in likeness to him and not into the things of the world. Here's another thing. Celebrity... Celebrityism, this kind of made-up word, makes us think that being famous is better than being good. And by good, um, I mean kind of two things. Uh, not only do I mean um, that it's actually something uh, that is um, right or something that is okay, but I also mean something that is that is morally right. We want to be we want to be known by what we do. We want people to know about our actions and what we have done for people and what we have done for others. And so we want to, we're, we're kind of falling into this trap where we want to become known by what we do. But here's what happens. A culture that, that does this is a culture that worships style over substance. Where we kind of like a certain way of doing things better than actually what it means. And a good example of this is worship songs. And we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about this later in the week. Um, but we kind of like the sound and we like the rhythm or we like uh, how it makes us feel. And we don't think about what is actually in this song for us. We are a celebrity-driven culture. We can't stand up to the evils of our day. And we should, we should not try to be to be famous. We, we, we should try to stand up to them and we should not try to be famous. Don't aim for approval. Instead, aim for excellence. And a good example of this, Dwylan talked about this in his topic on Sunday. He read from Matthew 25 and I'm just going to start reading so that you get the picture. I might not read the, the whole thing here. Matthew 25 verse 31. 
Matthew 25, verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall, he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divided his sheep from his goats. And he shall set, on, he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And I'm just going to stop there, because you know, hmm, sorry. you know that what happens is that the, the sheep, he says, the reason I'm blessing you is because you did all of these things for me. And so when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And when I was hungry, and they say, well, when did we do this? And we know, obviously, vice versa happens, happens for those that are, uh, that are compared to goats there. And so the rewards in this story are going to people who got no recognition before. They're going to people who did those things for, for no reward. God is looking for people who, who do good. He's not looking for people who look good. Also, just because something is popular does not mean that it is good. And, and once again, by good, not only do I mean it's okay and right to listen to or watch or enjoy or whatever. That's not the only definition of, of good. The, the other thing that I mean there is that it's done with skilled craftsmanship. It's done well. Just because it's popular does not mean that it is good. And when, when Christians simply follow the culture and then we stamp the, the word Christian, Christianity or Christian in front of it, we have stopped leading culture. And Christians in, hi, in history, they always led the culture. They didn't copy art. They created it. And so just because a, a song says the word Jesus in it does not make it good. No more than stamping Jesus loves me on, on plumbing that doesn't make me a good plumber. That doesn't mean that what I'll do in your house is, is right. Dorothy Sayers, she was a, a colleague of C.S. Lewis. She said, the only Christian work is work well done. The only Christian work is work well done. There's another thing. It changes how we experience the wor world because ideas come at us so quickly. Ideas come fast, and we don't actually pause to think. There's another reason. We are fooled into caring about things that aren't important, and we're distracted from caring about things that are. We have celebrityism, and we worship them. And then there's this word, escapism. If entertainment is an escape for you, we have a problem. One of the things that it causes us to do is it causes us to escape from real conversations and real interaction with people and real friendships. Entertainment used to be a public event where all of the city would come together on one night a week or whatever and, and entertainment would, would happen, the whole town. And slowly it morphed into something smaller and so, smaller. It morphed into something that we had in, in living rooms and, and groups enjoyed together until today it's, it's one person and one little device. And entertainment is no longer a public thing. In fact, it's, it's quite private, and it, it enables us to escape. And, and we see this all over the place. We see people that are supposedly on a date, but they're not talking. They're on their phones. They're focused on something else. They're not there. They're not present. They have escaped from the moment. Which is more important to you, your own imaginary or your own um, not real world, 
or the people who you're actually with, the people you're sitting with that you're in contact with. I think it's, I think it's so ironic that, that phones were actually created for us to, so that we could communicate better, so that we could talk to people. And then texting came, and so maybe we can communicate better. And the very thing that was created that we could, cre- that we could communicate better is hindering us from doing just that. Completely the opposite is happening. And you, this used to happen in a much more disguised way, so you don't feel like talking to the person, so you act like you're talking on the phone, right? You fake a phone call, so I don't have to talk to them. And, and now we don't even have to fake anything. We just sit there and look at our screen, and it puts up this wall. It says, not only are you not important to me, but I don't really care about you, and I don't really even want you to, to talk to me. Because I have something else that I'm preoccupied with. Entertainment can actually keep you from loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor does not mean not hating them. Loving your neighbor is actually something that is active. That is getting out there and actually doing something. And if entertainment is keeping you from loving your neighbor, then you're living in an escapist form of Christianity. Which really, is, is that a form of Christianity? I don't know. Don't use media to escape. In, in Scripture, God never gave you the right to not think. No, instead, in 1 Thessalonians, it says that we need to test everything. It tells us that we need to test it. Addiction. Has anyone ever lost their phone? I did it just the other day. And man, there's you just kind of... Ooh, where is it? We kind of lose it if we don't have it, right? About a, about a year ago, maybe it was a little more than that even, I was driving our go-kart and my phone bounced out and I, I spent hours looking for it. I, I found it, but I, I kind of wanted that, right? Now, it was, some of it was based on the fact that it was worth some money, but some of it was the, based on the fact that I, I'm just used to having it. And so... We kind of eventually need to have this or we feel some kind of disconnected. How does it be, feel for you to be separated from your phone? There's actually, there's actually studies that talk about these phantom vibrations. And, and that's where students, they, they put their phone in their, in their locker or, or some other place. And they can actually feel or they just know when they got a text. Has that ever happened to anyone here? That's weird. Technology has become so much a part of us that, that it literally is almost our hand. It's, it's almost a part of our body. So what do we need to do? Well, first we need to take a good hard look at, at our level of addiction, at your level of addiction. Make it personal and, and check out what you have filled your time with. And I don't even mean just bad stuff. I'm talking about, is it worthy of your time? We crowd our brains with all kinds of things. And and is that whatever worth crowding your brain with? Is it worth filling that up? Christian people out there who who can quote more song lyrics or movie lines than they can scripture. What's crowding your mind? Postman said that, 
entertainment makes us a silly culture. And I'll talk about this more tomorrow night, but I'd like to maybe take that a step further then and say that if, if entertainment makes us a silly culture, then Christian entertainment makes us silly Christians. Step number one, take a look at your level of addiction. Step number two, are you ready? Read good books. When you break a habit, you should replace it with some, some other good habit. Read good books. And not just, not just any books. There's a lot of books out there for you to read. Uh, and not all of them are, are good ones. C.S. Lewis said, read old books. He said, for every, for every one new book you read, you need to read three old books. I say for, for every one new book, you can read three C.S. Lewis books and you'll be good. <clears throat> if you adults think this is, this is only affecting you, then that's not, that's not completely true. For my students, this is almost without fail. The ones who, who have limited access to technology, those are the ones who actually enjoy reading. And, and that could be because of of church rules, or it could be because of their parents, but almost without fail, the ones that, that don't have access to internet or movies or whatever, they're the ones that read instead, because that's what they have for, for entertainment. The others are, are being drawn into this entertainment-soaked culture, and there are loads of quote, quotes that talk about what happens when a person reads, and how it how it changes us for the better, what it does for us in a, in a good way, how it advances them. But think about this. We've, we've got to read the Bible, right? Nate, Nate talked about what have you gleaned today on Sunday. And we realize that that's very, very important for us to read the Bible. I think we agree that that's a, that's a foundational Christian practice. And it's, it's, tonight we heard it's, it's our revelation. Our children and adults that hate, hate reading anything else, are they able to, to really enjoy reading the Bible? And maybe you, maybe you say, oh, I, I read an awful lot of things. You should see how long my Facebook page is at the end of the day. And that's not really reading. Okay? That is just short, abbreviated thoughts, and that's not, that's not really serious reading. A lot of it is making you silly, and it's... It's shrinking your attention span. Read good books. Number three, I hope to talk about this some more tomorrow. But if you can't look someone in the eye, and if you can't be all there, then that's an indicator that something is wrong. If you, if you struggle to be present in the moment, then you've got to change something, something in the way that you're living. One of the things that happens... Uh, when you're when you're going out to eat, or you're in a serious conversation, or whatever, and the phone rings, what happens is we look at it, and it distracts us, and it takes our attention. So what we what we watch and and what we get from it, we cannot let that take our attention. I even have a watch that does it right, throws it up in my face. We, we cannot let us distract us. 
And if you need to, you can ask your parents or your employees or your employers or your children or ask someone if, if you have good conversational skills. We're going we're gonna to kind of continue this thought tomorrow night, and we're going to talk about some of the Christian responses. And Christian should be in parentheses. So we'll talk about some things that Christians do to, to um, talk about this. And we're going to come back to the question, rather than drawing a line, rather than saying, where is the line, we should maybe ask the question, how should I live as a Christian in today's culture? Let's stand, and we'll pray, and then you'll be dismissed. Lord, we are weak people, and we come to you, a sovereign God who is in charge of everything, and we pray that you would, you would reign in our hearts and that you would keep us from, from some of the distractions that we face in the world. And Lord, I pray as we, as we go into the world tomorrow and in the coming days and weeks that we would, we would keep our brains tuned in and that we would realize that everything is telling us something and that we would not necessarily focus on keeping the bad things out, but that we would focus on taking the light of you into the world and so that we could learn to live as Christians in this culture that we're facing. Be with us as we go from here. In your name we pray. Amen.